0: And um, one of my favourite campuses of all time is our Auckland City campus. They're doing an amazing job. Pastor Mike and Liz Griffiths lead the campus out there doing a great job. And this this evening, we are so blessed to have Pastor Mike Griffiths. So put your hands together and welcome up Pastor Mike. Awesome. Thank you, Frosty. That is fantastic. Great to be back here again tonight. And we are gonna just tear into it. I wanna talk tonight about faith about faith. We have this cartoon at home and um, I'm gonna put it up in just a moment. It shows God speaking to Abraham from a cloud and Sarah is standing nearby and God says, Abraham, you have a great faith. And Abraham replies, thanks. Do you think I could be a model? And Sarah comments, honey, God doesn't have a lisp. Have a look at this. That is a very funny cartoon. Very funny. The tragedy is, is that many of us are going, hey, eh? I, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. So like, like it's the whole, if he's got a lisp, you know, if God had a lisp, you have a great face, which would come at us, you have a great faith. I have to explain this now, or else at various times throughout my sermon, people will start laughing and just ruin the whole thing. Anyway, the point being this, I don't know if God loves a great face, but I know that God loves a great faith. You know, in Hebrews 11, verse six, it says, without faith, it's OK, people are slowly getting it. See, I, I'm not going to show that cartoon again. It just takes too long. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. See, this faith thing is intriguing, because again and again, Jesus said to people that it was their faith that somehow changed the game. It was their faith that somehow procured their healing, or it was their faith that somehow was integral for them being saved. But, but what if we don't have faith? I, I mean, just being real tonight, there are plenty of times you know, when, when it's like, hey man, we're believing for this, and I, you know, it's like, woo. <laughs> I've got no faith for that. Like I, like I, I'm sure, like if you've got faith for that, that's awesome. I am struggling to believe that could come to pass. You know, that's just, that's just a reality. You wanna hang out with Pastor Luke for a while when it comes to buying stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I, can, I cannot see how that is gonna happen. And then it does. You know, it's just astonishing. But what do we do when we don't have faith? Because the reality is, is that plenty of times, if we're honest, all of us, we have moments, we have days, we have seasons, when we are not faith-filled. And we just don't feel it. We just, we just can't get ourselves to that place. So what is faith to start with? Faith in the English translation is translated into three words. Faith, trust, and belief. But in the Greek, it's just one word. It's just one word that encompasses all three of those meanings. Those three words mean to believe in the existence of, to have faith in the goodness of, and to trust in the action of. Of. So faith is believing God exists, having faith that He is good, and trusting that He is acting on your behalf. You know what, for some of us, write that out, stick it up on your wall, read it to yourself every day, that'll change your life. Just getting an understanding of really what this faith thing is all about. Now here's where it gets really interesting, because in contrast, unbelief, which Scripture warns us against multiple times, this, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, Unbelief is is withholding faith in God. Withholding faith in God. Now this is important because it means that unbelief is not passive. It is active. It's not the absence of faith. It's withholding the faith that we do have and not putting it in God. Now, Now, okay, how do we hold back something that we don't have? Paul wrote something that we need to hear today. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul talks about the faith that God has distributed to each of you. The faith that God has already distributed to each of you. Do you know that God has already distributed faith to you? You already have faith. You already have faith. You've already got it. You have faith. Now, we're going to see in the rest of this, our time today, that that is an absolute game changer. If we could just understand and realize and believe and get our heads around the fact that we don't have to get it, we don't have to earn it, we don't have to work up brownie points, it's not doled out based on performance or good behavior, we've got it. God has given each of us a measure of faith. You already have it whether you feel it or not. You know, there's a confidence that comes when you know that you've been given faith. You don't have to earn it. It's not a reward for a certain level of Christian behavior. When you understand that, that, you've already received it, you can be confident that you have it. Secondly, there's an assurance that comes when you know that you've been given faith. You don't have to wonder if you've got it. Have you lost it? What do I need to do to get it back? Like the whole faith thing becomes a different thing when we realize that there's an assurance that we can have when we realize that. Just before Christmas, I took a list to of the movies. That is a smart move. And uh, so we went and we bought our tickets and then we went out and had a coffee and then we did a bit of window shopping, uh, which is always a stressful activity. And then we headed back just in time to go into the movie and guess what? Can't find my tickets. So what did I do? Did I go and buy some more tickets? No. Why? Because I had an assurance that I had bought those tickets and they were here somewhere. So, you know, check in every pocket, triple check in the wallet, double check in the bag. And of course, they eventually turn up and we go and watch a movie. And it was awesome. But the point is this. You have received a measure of faith. You can be assured of that. It is in you somewhere. Keep looking until you find it. Work out how to get it, dig it up and put it into practice. But there's one thing you can be sure about. You've got it. God's given it to you. Thirdly, there is a resourcefulness that comes when you know that you've been given faith. If you have it, then all of a sudden, anything is possible. Nothing is impossible. Instead of worrying whether or not I've got faith, the question becomes not where do I find faith or how do I get faith, but if I've got faith, okay, what do I do with this now? What are the options going forward? How will God move through me? It's not will God move through me? It's how will God move through me because I've already been given faith. You know, being on oversight, like I said before, with Pastor Luke is, is, uh, is an experience. When it comes to buying property, Pastor Luke, he just has faith for this stuff. Like he just, he just has a complete confidence and assurance that if God says, yeah, it is gonna happen, and so then it becomes quite exciting for Pastor Luke because it's like, okay, well, how's it gonna happen now? Like, how's God gonna do this? How can we find a way to do this? Because I absolutely have confidence that this is going to happen. You know, it's a great story and it's great for us to be reminded. When we bought the Mahia Road property, what was it, $14 million, something like that, we had no cash reserves that we could utilize for that. How are we gonna do this? Pastor Luke just had an assurance. He's had a confidence that this is what was God was saying. So then it became this kind of crazy, stressful for me, adventure about how's God going to do this. It turned out that the JWs had never claimed GST on the property. Uh, We were able to claim back the GST from the government before we bought it, which then gave us the deposit to buy the property. (laughs) That's now our our huge and growing Manurewa campus. It's our Elam Leadership College. And there are similar stories for everything that God does Here through property, through Pastor Luke, it is unbelievable. It's not do I have the faith to do something, it's because I have faith. What something will God do to bring this about? You see, God wants to change the world through you and me. God wants to change the world through you and me. It's just the simple reality. And when you look at the history across nations, about what has produced prosperous nations, what has produced Uh, life-giving democracies, what has produced these things. Uh, There's been a a study released, I'm sure, I think it was just last year, uh, by this guy who ran all these statistical analyses on just monstrous amounts of information and he couldn't believe the results he got. And he he has been challenged from every significant statistician around the world, it's unbelievable, but what he's found is that nations that have had missionaries, that have brought the gospel, that have sought to win people for Christ, are nations that have the blessing of God on them. And you can see that throughout history. I'm telling you, God wants to change the world through us. And He has done it, and He will do it again. But humankind has an enemy. The devil, the author of evil, he just wants to steal. He wants to kill and destroy what matters most to God. His plans and purposes are to wreck the world and to wreck your world He wants to come against everything good in you because you are the thing that matters most to God. The devil can't touch God, so he tries to touch what matters most to God, which is us. That is why there is so much strife and evil in the world. And here's the interesting thing because it is only faith that overcomes the corruption and evil in the world. 1 John 5, verse 4 this is the victory that has overcome the world, it's our faith. The devil hates that Jesus has given us faith. The devil hates that Jesus has given us faith. Faith is a powerful, practical weapon against evil. And that is why he tries so hard to get us into unbelief. The world, particularly the Western world, the scourge of the Western world through secularism and humanism, it's not even the erosion of morality, which is tragic. It's the fact that so many people now live in unbelief. You see, every atheist out there has actually got a seed of belief in them. How do I know that? Because the scripture said God has already given every man a measure of faith. They've got it. The problem is they are withholding it. That's all the devil's got to do is to get us to withhold the faith that Jesus has already put inside of us. You know, faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11, God loves it when we trust him. When we step out in faith and we have a go and we listen to that little nudge of the Spirit when we go, okay, I think this is what God's wanting to do. And then we move out and we, and we take a step and we do something. We were in worship this morning in City Campus. We got to the third song and I, I'm going, Holy Ghost, what do you want to do? I felt the presence of God. Holy Ghost, you're here. What do you want to do? And I just felt God say, go for salvation. I'm like, no, no, that's not in the run sheet. Uh, it's, it's a great, great idea, but we'll, we'll do that later. I just felt God nudging me. No, no, this is the moment. This is the moment. Like, oh, yeah, no, look, that's, look, that's cool. <laughs> oh, I'm just not so sure if that's gonna work, you know. So I just got up and I did a salvation call. And we have more people raising their hands to receive Christ in that service than we have in any service in the last five years. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. Secondly, faith allows the power of the Holy Spirit to flow and to move. The devil hates that. You know when the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus, she wasn't playing tag. She had a faith that Jesus could heal her. She had an assurance that it was possible. She felt a confidence that she should attempt it. And she took a bold action that drew power from God, drew power from Jesus. She didn't know how Jesus might heal her. Jesus could have healed her in a hundred different ways. Do you realize that? It's like the guy who comes across a lamp and he rubs the lamp with a cloth and a genie pops out and the genie says, you have one wish. And he goes, hold on, I thought I meant to get three. It's okay, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. We'll go for one. He says, I want to be irresistible to women. The genie replies, your wish is granted. And poof, he is turned into a puppy. (laughs) There's more than one way to get an outcome. You see, the woman with the issue of blood, her faith didn't work out how Jesus would do it. She didn't even know when Jesus would do it. But she just had the faith that he could. And Jesus felt in his body, the scripture says, like it was a physical thing. He felt the power flow out of him. It was a feeling. And when that power left him, instantaneously healed her hemorrhage. What did Jesus say? Mark 5.34. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. The devil hates that. And thirdly, faith saves us from our sin, from our past, from the spiritual consequences of tragic decisions and terrible actions. We are saved, and how are we saved? Simply by faith. It's the craziest thing. We're saved by faith, and it's the gift of God. You know, in Luke chapter seven, a woman, a prostitute, we're told, comes to Jesus in faith. She's carrying a jar of ridiculously expensive perfume, trusting that while everyone else in that room was judging her, including the religious leaders, she had a measure of faith that Jesus was gonna accept her, that Jesus was gonna receive her and the offering that she was bringing. She demonstrated her love for him. Now, here's the interesting thing. She did not say the sinner's prayer. She did not do alpha. She did not go through growth track. She didn't do a quick run through the Ten Commandments and and confess every one of the sins like some people say she should have. She simply trusted Jesus, came to him, and loved on him. And Luke 7, verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. This faith thing, this faith thing, I tell you, that's faith, and you have it. So the question then is, how do we use it? How do we use this faith thing? And the one thought I want you to take away, team, tonight is this. Faith is a state. Now, faith is also a number of other things. It's a a mental discipline. It's It's a decision we make. But integrally, faith is a state. There is an emotional and spiritual and physical state or attitude that when we are in it, anything can happen. Faith is an emotional state that produces a physical action that gets a supernatural response. That means that when we're in a faith state, more often than not, you can feel it. Phil Pringle, amongst other things, says, faith is a feeling. Now, we sometimes hear the phrase, no, no, we shouldn't live by our feelings. We need to live by faith. Don't live by your feelings. Look, it's a well-meaning phrase that someone once came up with to give to young Christians who would be up one day and loving God and down one day, loving the next, because they were living according to their feelings. However, that doesn't mean that faith is not something that we experience internally. Look, let's think about it. Did David run out to faith Goliath? Uh, Yeah, did faith Goliath. He did faith Goliath. Did David go out to face Goliath, shaking like a leaf and wondering what his chances were? Not in the slightest. David went out there full of confidence that the big fellow was going down. He was in in an emotional place where he was just ready to go. If I was facing Goliath, you would see me facing Goliath from somewhere way the back there. But David, it says he ran towards Goliath. Like he ran towards him. He could not wait to get in his face. There was a state of faith that David was in that enabled him to step into that moment. When Joshua and Caleb went out to lead Israel into the promised land, did they go in there feeling unsure about their chances and fearful about what was ahead? Absolutely not. They were confident, confident that God would fight their battles, that God would bring down anything that stood in front of them, and they trusted that He would make a way. In fact, so interesting, God's specific instruction to Joshua before they crossed the Jordan was, get yourself in a faith state, Joshua, because you've got to shift your thinking on this one. Do you remember what he says? Joshua... Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What was he doing? He was saying, Josh, you can't do this if you are terrified and discouraged. You're in the wrong internal state. You've got to get strong and courageous. You've got to find that. You've got to drag it up. You've got to step into that. You've got to own that, because when you go in there, you're facing giants, and you need to be in that state of faith. Did Paul go through his ministry years feeling he was jinxed? Wondering why he had all the bad luck. I mean, he was stoned like multiple times. He was whipped, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was chained up in Rome when he's trying to build the church. I mean, he must have been going, what is wrong with me? Like, like, have I stepped out of the blessing of God because all these bad things are happening to me? Is that what he thought? Absolutely not. Paul lived in a state of faith. When he was stoned for preaching the gospel, he wasn't thinking, wow, that was a pretty strong response. Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Not at all. He was like, I'm still alive. God must must want me to keep on preaching. Let's go. When he was in a storm and about to be shipwrecked, he wasn't thinking, oh no, the ship's gonna run aground and we're all gonna die. He was like, yeah, the ship's gonna run aground and we're all gonna be saved. Because God had spoken to him that God was gonna save them. So it didn't matter what happened next, he was in a place of faith to believe that whatever happened, God was gonna use that to do what God said he was gonna do. On shore, the guy's bitten by a snake. Was he thinking, seriously, Ah, after all this God brought me here, now I've been bitten by a snake, I'm gonna die. No, he's not thinking that at all. He's going, okay, God brought me all the way here, I've been bitten by a snake. Okay, I wonder what God's gonna do now. And, of course, we know what God did next. God did a miracle. He was totally fine. All the locals are like, wow, God's hands on this guy. They take him to the local mayor who's sick. He gets healed. And then everything is laid on for them and the whole crew until they catch a the next ship out to where they're going. When he was chained between two Roman soldiers, he wasn't going, oh, no, I'm chained between two filthy unbelievers all day. He was like, awesome. I am chained between two unbelievers all day. Hey, fellas, have I told you about Jesus yet? I have. Let me tell you again. <laughs> you see, faith is a state. So how then do we live in this faith that God has given to each of us? Because you know what? If we're honest, we have to admit that faith is not a state that we always live in, though that is the ideal. Hebrews 10 verse 38 says we're meant to live by faith. But Our goal is to be able to get in that faith state as often as we can, and certainly as often as we need God to move or intervene in our lives. So what do we do when we don't feel it? That's the question tonight, when we're not in that emotional and spiritual state. Let me tell you, the single most powerful thing you can do to get into faith is to shift your focus. The power of what you focus on is unbelievable. In fact, your internal state is the result of your focus. If you focus on yourself and on negative things, you will move into a state of depression. If you focus on the needs of others and your skills and abilities to make a difference, you will move into a state of confidence. If you focus on the person of God, His faithfulness to you, His great and precious promises, you will move into a state of faith. We've got to shift our focus off what causes us unbelief and on to what causes belief. What happens when we worship Jesus enthusiastically? It shifts our focus. That's the power of it. What happens when we pray to God strongly? It shifts our focus. What happens when we read the Word of God intently seeking answers or God's principles? It shifts Our focus and in shifting our focus that moves us into that place of faith that God has placed within each one of us. And it's not just about what you do to shift your focus, it's how you do it. You've got to do it with energy. You've got to do it with intentionality. That's why you see these guys up here jumping around when they're worshiping God, reaching out with all their heart and mind because they are getting themselves into a place of faith that God wants them to be in so that they can access all the resourcefulness of heaven. You know, you can stand... And you can sing with your arms folded and a scowl on your face if you want, and then feel, well, I didn't feel God present. I didn't feel God with me tonight. Honestly, I'm not surprised. If I was God, I wouldn't hang out with you in that state either. (laughs) Blind Bartimaeus, when he'd thrown off his cloak and he was running to Jesus, what was he focused on? I know, nothing. He was blind. But aside from that, was he focused on the fact that he couldn't see and he'd left his cloak behind? He was just focused on Jesus. Here, he was in a state of faith. When the Roman centurion, his daughter, was sick at home dying, and he had to come to Jesus in front of all these Jews, what was he focused on? Was he focused on how embarrassed, embarrassing this was for him as a Roman soldier to have to come to a Jew for answers? Absolutely not. He was just focused on Jesus, the Son of God. He was in a state of faith. The father whose son had a demon that would try and throw his son into the fire or the water, was he focused on the demon, or was he focused on Jesus? I love this story because he was struggling. He was so confronted with what this demon was doing with his child that he was really struggling and he actually cried out to Jesus for help in getting him into that place of faith. You see, when we shift our focus onto God, we find the faith that God has put inside of us and you can feel it. So why do we encourage wholehearted worship? Why do we encourage loud participatory prayer? Why do we encourage the daily habit of studying the Scriptures? Because when we obey God, when we worship Him, we shift our focus and that moves us into a state of faith, a faith that God has already given us. Now you've got to understand, being in a faith state, that doesn't guarantee a miracle, it doesn't guarantee an answer. You can't manipulate God with that. It's not a a silver bullet or or a magic spell. However, it is an emotional place that honors God. And it creates a space where revelation and resourcefulness can flow. You see, it's not my competence that God responds to, it's my trust in Him, which means I've gotta be focused on Him, not on me. It's not even my character that God responds to, it's my trust in Him. That means nothing I have done made Him give me a measure of faith. I didn't have to convince Him to give me some because I had a need, I love this, God anticipated my need. God has anticipated your need. He has already given you all the faith you will ever need to do anything that God asks you to do in this life. And when we shift our focus onto what God has done and what God is doing, we find the faith for what he has called us to do. There is no situation that God will lead you into that he hasn't given you the faith to get you through. You know, every Thursday morning during tune time I go to our Mount Albert campus College, And I do devotions with the staff there. And, uh, you know, coming up with an inspiring, uplifting devotion to share with staff, it's a little bit like running a half marathon. It's really fun to do occasionally. It's less fun to do every week, I can tell you. So I'm in the car. I've left Maritai at 6.50 a.m. I'm driving through our glorious morning traffic. It's 8 a.m. and I've got as far as Waterview, And despite all my thinking, all my worrying, all my stressing, all my bleeding with God, I have nothing. I now have 10 minutes before I'm going to arrive at Mac Campus, going to go walk in there, sit down with the staff and bring them something wonderful. And as I'm driving, I suddenly remembered, this is crazy. Jesus isn't holding out on me. He's not... He's not waiting to see if I can drum up enough something that I can drag a bit of revelation out of him, which he's holding grudgingly from me. He's not playing games with me. He delights in us encouraging one another. He is stoked that I'm gone and I'm a part of this. He loves that. If I trust him, I realized his revelation will flow. And I took this big deep breath and I just sighed and I relaxed. and And I began to thank him. I began to thank him that he had something special for the staff that morning, something unique and powerful. I just began to thank, thank you, God, you've already got something planned. Thank you, God, that you delight to drop that into my spirit. When the time is right, I trust you with that, absolutely fine. I thanked him for the lesson I was learning about faith and for the many lessons that I've learned over the years from wise and caring leaders, from friends and from colleagues. And and it jumped into my mind. I, I remember how lucky I was when I was teaching that uh, there was this guy at the school, a young teacher who was absolutely brilliant. And he invited me to come and sit in the back of his classroom in any of my off periods and just learn from what he did. He was amazing. I remember, I remember saying to God how grateful I was that God jacked that up for me. It was so incredibly helpful. And then this scripture from Hebrews 10 popped into my mind about spurring one another on and encouraging one another. And then suddenly I realized, there's my devotional. So I got there, arrived at school. I told the story about the teacher that God had provided me with, who so helped me in my early years teaching. I unpacked the scripture from Hebrews, I got the staff in twos, and I got them to share with each other the most powerful lessons they had learned in the classroom so that they can encourage one another. We finished with the time of praying for one another in the day ahead. You know, worrying for an hour got me nothing and nowhere. Shifting my focus off my problem and back onto God moved me into a faith state and that faith that God had already given me accessed a revelation from God that touched and inspired our staff at Mac that Thursday morning. I'm telling you, all of your worrying, all of your doubting yourself, all of your recriminations for your past failings or the thing that you didn't do so well yesterday that maybe you should have done, You can go through that if you want to, but I'm telling you, it's only faith that will bring to you the things that God has for you. We've got to learn to shift our focus. How are we doing for time? Romans chapter four. Let me finish with this. We'll get the team up in just a moment. Romans chapter four. I love this story about Abraham. This is a great illustration of exactly what we're talking about. This will be the final picture for tonight. Against all hope, it says, Abraham in hope believed. What does that mean? He had faith. And so because, so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said of him, so shall your offspring be, without weakening in his what? Faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through what? Unbelief. Unbelief will make you waver. Unbelief will make you wobbly. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith a.k.a. got Himself in a way, faith state, and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what He had promised. Now, I love Abraham because he doesn't live in fantasy land. He's not walking around going, I'm not 100, I'm not, a, I'm not 100, I'm not 100, I'm not 100. Like, he's not positive affirmations. I'm young and virile, I'm young and virile. He, he didn't do that stuff. He faced the fact He was a crusty old guy and things probably didn't work like what they worked when he was 20. That's just the reality. He faced that. I love this about Abraham. And then he went and got himself into a state of faith. He was strengthened in his faith. How? It says he shifted his focus on God. He gave glory to God. He gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, not partly persuaded, not begrudgingly persuaded, but he decided, yeah, okay, God, I am fully persuaded that you can do whatever it is you wanna do. Can you see what's happened? Instead of going, man, how am I gonna have a, how are we gonna do this? There's no way that this body can have a baby. There's no way that that body can have a baby. There were, instead of focusing on that, he shifted his focus onto the God who can do all things at any time with anybody. That's what he did. And then, in that state of faith, then he planned A date night with Sarah. (laughs) Because faith without action is dead. Abraham trusted. (laughs) Abraham trusted that he was perfectly positioned to achieve God's purpose. He trusted that he was in the right place, at the right time, in the right season, with the right spouse, for God to do through him everything he intended to. And let me tell you, team, tonight, it's time to trust Jesus That you are perfectly positioned to achieve God's purpose for your life. You are in the right place at the right time, in the right season, in the right church, with the right people around you to do exactly what God wants to do through you. So let me ask you tonight, what are you believing for? What is it that God is speaking to you about? What has He called you to do? What's the dream that He put on your heart? I don't care if you gave that up 10 years ago. Well, you know what it is. What is it that you think God wants you to do in your workplace, with your finances, with your family? What do you think God wants you to be because you already have all the faith you need to do it? You have more faith than you realize. You have more purpose than you thought. And you have more time than you need. If God could fulfill an incredible promise for a man who's 100 years old, I'm telling you, you have all the time that you need. So tonight as we challenge the team up and ready to go, that'd be awesome. It's time for a change. It's a new year again. It's time for a shift in every one of us. And I absolutely know that God is speaking to some people here tonight. It's time to step away from our unbelief. It's time to stop withholding the faith that God has put inside of us and let it go. It's time to start putting our faith in God. It's time to start feeling the faith that He's placed inside of us. And I tell you the most important thing is it's time for us to start choosing where we put our focus because that is the thing that changes the game on the inside. Will you shift shift your focus off yourself tonight? Even just for a minute. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go from here and you're going to shift your focus off yourself onto God and, and it's going to be like that 24-7 for the rest of your life. It's not going to happen. I tell you, I've been wrestling with this and experimenting with this for, for I don't know how long now. And I still have times when I forget and I lose it and I just get in a funk and it's hard. And I, but I know what I've got to do. That's why coming to church is so important, because I tell you what, you come to this place and everything that we do is about getting your focus back on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who holds all authority and all power, the one who created you, called you and has purposed you for this life that you have. Everything about this is getting our eyes back on Him. Then we go back in the world and the devil tries to drag our eyes off God, get our eyes on the negatives, get our eyes on our failings, get our eyes on our sin, get our eyes on ourselves, and we lose our faith and we get out of that place and we emotionally struggle and we begin to despair and get down and we struggle with those things, but I'm telling you the answer again is get back into that place of faith. How? Do whatever you've got to do to shift your focus back onto the Lord. Get your Spotify thing playing through your Bluetooth in your car and crank that sucker. Get out there at the beach and start just proclaiming God, how good He is and the incredible things that He does. I love trees. Trees for me shout the incredible brilliance of the design of God is. I was out in my quiet time this morning, and I said, hey, God of the trees. I call Him God of the trees sometimes. It's kind of like a thing me and God have going on. Because every time I see a tree, I'm in awe again about how God does stuff. Get out and do that. Shift your focus off yourself back on Him. Will you shift your focus off yourself tonight, off your problems, off your disappointments, off your hurts, off your failings, and back on a Jesus. Will you intentionally and specifically dust off the promises of God tonight that He's given you, that prophecy you had, that leading that you felt, that encouragement that you received, and like Abraham, face the facts, but without wavering through unbelief and wanting to withhold the faith you have. Will you let go of worry it's not giving you anything, it's only stealing from you. It's time for every one of us here to shift our focus, to get our eyes back on Jesus. And as we do, I promise you, you will feel that. You will feel faith. You've felt it before, but maybe you've never identified it. You, you'll feel it when you start to worship God and you actually, instead of just singing, you actually get your eyes on Jesus. You, you actually singing in hymn. You actually start believing what's coming out of your mouth for a second. And I tell you, if you stop and think it, you can feel it. You can feel faith again starting to rise. That thing inside of you is starting to take hold again. And that is what we are going to do tonight. I'm going to ask everyone to get to their feet right now. We're going to do this. We're going to lift our eyes to Jesus. We're going to shift our focus on Him. And we're going to begin a life of living in faith. Because God wants to change the world through you. Amen. Can we say amen tonight? Awesome. Come on, let's worship God together tonight.